You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight. The rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers. The 308, the 270, the 28 Nosler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30 out 6, and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit savagearms.com. This is the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. <sighs> Sweet November. I hope you all have been enjoying the fall in the woods and in the tree stand and uh, that you guys have had some luck up to this point. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Ewing, and this is episode 25. Today, I am joined uh, by RJ Giesman. Uh, RJ is the sales manager of One Shot Gear uh, in Denver, Colorado. One Shot Gear specializes in selling uh, premium high-end hunting gear, uh, and really, they offer gear for uh, any type of hunt that you can think of. Uh, and what's cool about the different products and the, the product lineup that One Shot Gear is selling is that all the products that they carry in their store uh, and on their website are products that have all been tested by their employees. So if you see something in there or you have questions about something, uh, rest assured that these guys have 
put whatever the piece of gear is through its paces um, and stand behind the the quality and the satisfaction that you're going to get out of whatever that piece of equipment is. I mean, they carry everything from high-end rifles, high-end optics, um, camo, uh, really anything um, that you need, packs, uh, anything um, that a hunter, uh, western hunter, um, you know, even maybe some more exotic style hunting um, in some, some far off places, um, you know, they're going to have what you need uh, for that specific hunt. And if they don't have it or, you know, they, they don't carry it in the store, they're, they're going to point you in the right direction of what, um, you know, what you need. Uh, and, you know, they'll go as far as to if you call, call up the shop and have questions regarding a product that maybe they don't, they don't carry in the store, they're going to tell you if they've, you know, tried it out, what their experience was with, with it, uh, the pros, the cons, why maybe they aren't carrying it or why they possibly or hope to carry it in the future. So um, it, it's cool. RJ uh, grew up in um, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and really cut his teeth um, working um, as kind of a uh, a pack, pack, pack mule um, for uh, some local guides there. Uh, started when he was in his early teens, uh, and then from there, uh, spent some time um, in the Marines. Um, and then once he got out of the Marines, he, he moved down to the Denver area uh, with his wife and met up with these guys at One Shot Gear. And um, you know, after a short period of time, realized they all had a bunch of stuff in common, and that RJ could be a real asset to the team there. And um, He's been there for going on about two, just over two years now. So uh, it's really cool. And, you know, if there's ever anything that you're looking for from a hunting standpoint, um, you know, one shot gear um, is the place for you. So be sure and check them out. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. All right. Joining me on the podcast today, I have the sales manager for 2% certified brand one shot gear, RJ Giesman. RJ, how's it going today? It's going great. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Uh, I know <clears throat> this is probably, especially out there in Colorado, this has got to be a pretty busy time of year with uh, rifle season and, and things in full swing out there, so I appreciate you taking some time. Oh, anything for you guys. Yeah. So first off, RJ, kind of uh, tell me tell me a bit about One Shot Gear and uh, you know the type of store, what you guys offer, where you're located, all that good stuff. Uh, sweet. So One Shot Gear is actually a high-end hunting store. Um, we specialize in our knowledge, um, first of all, and it translates straight over into our store. So we actually test quite a few different brands on the market. Uh, we're flying through all the clothing, all the packs, all the guns and stuff like that. And then we only choose what we think is the best to fit our customers' needs to put in the store. Okay. So. Now, I mean, first off, that's got to be kind of a, a pretty cool thing to almost have like your your pick of you know, gear that you guys want to try out and test and be able to, you know, recommend to your employees. Oh yeah, for sure. It's definitely, uh, everyone asks how much I pay to work here. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the downside of, well, downside's not the right word, but that's like the, the catch or the flip side to, to working at any type of store that offers gear is it seems like a lot of your money just gets pumped right back into it. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, everybody just wants to know your discount at the end of the day. Yeah. So no one cares how much you get paid here. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Um, yeah. So how is it that you guys kind of determine the brands that you want to try or is it just a, 
you know, we'll try everything and then kind of make a make a judgment or, or make uh, an assessment based on, you know, what you guys, the test you put it through and the results and everything. Yeah. So uh, we mostly choose our gear um, off of personal preference. Everyone in the store hunts about a, anywhere from 75 to 100 days a year. Um, we all try and break 100, but just sometimes you're a little busier, so you can't do it. Yeah. But, uh, and, and most of our, a lot of the new gear coming in the store is all customers' recommendations. So um, everything in the store has been tested for at least 10 days in the field. Um, I think the most something's ever been tested is about six months before we decided on something. Okay. So, yeah. So we do like everything that we carry, and then and then about five or six percent of it is just uh, like we're having a bad time getting it with certain brands and stuff like that. So, but. so what is it that you would say is probably your most uh, or, or the most popular brand that you guys carry, or the one that seems to be oh. kind of a, a, a crowd yeah. favorite within the store? Well, there's a, there's only one, and it's Sika Gear. Uh, we're actually one of their biggest on-hand dealers in the world. You can't have more Sika than us because we bought it all. So uh, <laughs> we have it all in store, in stock, and you come in, we try it, and we mostly specialize in these extreme hunts. Um, but since we uh, actually just recently moved storefronts and we actually just bought a new building and we totally pimped out our front end, uh, we've actually come a lot more to the local side. Okay. Um, so we went from about 70-30 split to international hunters so now we're about 50-50 to all you local guys that we, um, guys like us that hunt elk in Colorado and Wyoming and stuff like that. So, so when you said originally or before you guys were like a 70-30 split, was it like international guys coming in or was it guys, you know, internationally that were just buying your gear for, for hunting wherever they were located? Uh, so it was mostly Denver. Actually, we're quite blessed in where we're located. Uh, Denver's economy's killing it and we we work with a lot of guides and stuff to actually, um, and these guys come in and they're going to British Columbia and stuff. And they're actually located here in Denver, at least have one home okay. in most of the scenarios. So, um, they're going to British Columbia, New Zealand, Tajikistan, Russia. They're shooting all over the country, over the, uh, the world shooting all these amazing animals. And it's, it's just something very unique to be a part of for sure. Yeah. So, now when I was, <clears throat> Looking on the website a little bit earlier, uh, your founder Alex, uh, well, the owner founder Alex, mm -hmm. he's um, he's from uh, Saint Petersburg. Is that correct? That that is. He's he's from Russia. Yeah. <laughs> so how is it that? I mean, to me, that's just kind of a cool story, right? You you, you take someone who who came in, who came to the United States. Uh, I think it was the early '90s, maybe uh, that I saw on the website there, and you know, just finds a, a love, a passion for hunting and however many years later turns it into, you know, what you guys have there today. I mean, what's, what's that like, you know, with, with someone who one is from a different culture, you know, and hunting the, you know, I don't know what the hunting culture is like in Russia or where, you know, where he's from, but obviously we know what it's like here in the States. So, I mean, does Alex ever talk about kind of a difference there or what it's, you know, what, what he sees? Well, yeah. So, um, kind of give you a little background from what I understand about Russia is that every every family when you start working for a company it's very common for that company to go out because they don't have a lot of public land like we do mm -hmm. but what happens is companies will buy up a lot of land and then their employees will get bonused basically these land these little five acre plots and then they have all this public that or all this land around that the company owns that they now go hunt and so um, like Alex goes hunting with all the people he knew in like kindergarten because they all have cabins. 
that are right next to each other. And that's how that culture is. And that's where everybody goes and gets their meat and stuff like that. And so everyone's got a weekend place because you have a nice little tiny townhouse where you work. And then you always shoot out to your weekend place with, and they usually do it with company wide. Okay. So like a, like a bigger company, let's say one of our fortune 500 companies would actually go out and buy a couple thousand acres and then gift five or plus acres to each other to their people in their company so they can hang out with each other on the weekends. Okay. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. That's much different yeah. than, than how it's done yeah. here. And but super it, unique. Yeah. And it's cool though, because I had a guy in the podcast last week who, who runs a guide service over in Scotland and to hear kind of how the culture is different. And I mean, even as, I mean, like you take, you take the, the States here, for example, where, you know, you get your hunter's hunter safety certificate as a kid. Right. And then that just kind of sticks with you wherever you go and it allows you to buy your tags and, and this and that. And over there you have to like go through a qualification. There's like a couple different levels of it. And so it's cool to me to hear like kind of how, you know, cultures are different across the world when it comes to hunting in the outdoors. Yeah, it's definitely for how similar the outcome is. It definitely is very unique everywhere you go. Yeah. So, so RJ, tell me, I mean, being a sales manager there, how is it that, you know, you personally were introduced to the outdoors? So I actually grew up, um, in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I started my first packing job when I was 15 okay. for guiding services. And I was hauling out elk just as long as I could drive. You know what I mean? And so, um, hunting is actually was a, almost like a chore in Wyoming. <laughs> so I'm one of the few people I know that have killed a I killed 46 elk as of last year. Oh, wow. And I'm only 27. So, wow. And everyone's like, how did you do that? I was like, oh, I'm from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's not hard. <laughs> like, there's elk everywhere. Like, you get four tags a year and you go crazy. But, and then on top of that, you're guiding and stuff, all that all that fun stuff. And so, it's it was a huge part of the culture. I'd say, if I wasn't in school, like, I was hunting. Um, our lunch breaks were an hour and a half when I was growing up. Plus, it was only four-day-a-week schools. And so, we were nonstop hunting as kids. It was nuts. So, yeah, no, it's uh, one that's. I mean, I think sometimes I'm hunting is is looked at a little bit differently, like here in the Met, Midwest. Like, so I'm in Michigan here, and like opening day of rifle season for deer, like a lot of schools in certain parts of the state will close because you know you got kids at the bus stop and all this stuff, and you know, so it, it was almost like a, a a statewide holiday, the November fifteenth here in Michigan. So to hear about like hour and a half lunch breaks. And four days a week school. And yeah, I mean, I can imagine what the, what that was like growing up. Oh yeah. It was, it was very unique for sure. It was, there's a nice river that runs right by the school and like you'd see dozen kids out there fishing and stuff. Yeah. So it was, it's, it's weird for sure. Yeah. No, <laughs> in Jackson Hole, I mean, everyone listening is probably more than familiar, but I actually had a chance to drive through Jackson Hole, uh, mid September of this year. Uh, I was out there, my family and I took a vacation and, we were uh, up in Yellowstone and then drove down um, down to Salt Lake City for the night uh, on our way down to southern Utah. And, uh, yeah, came right down through Jackson Hole and the Tetons and everything there. And it's it's just absolutely beautiful country in there. Oh, yeah. It's definitely – there's worser places to be from for sure. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so how long have you been at One Shot Gear there? So I just hit my two-year actually this year. Um, I started with them – in october 2018 okay and i was actually friends i shopped here so much they gave me a job so <laughs> um but i took i took just about everybody here hunting at one point before my time and 
uh, we were all good friends. And then one day they just asked me if I wanted a job and I've been here ever since. So, okay. So you, so they were coming up to Wyoming and hunting, hunting up there with you. And that's how you met all these guys. Uh, kinda. So I, I, I have taken them up to Wyoming before, but I actually met them down here, a uh, waterfowl hunting. Okay. Um, so I, you have a uh, little history on me. So I was in the Marine Corps from 2011 to 2015. And then I got medically discharged. They sept me um, for injuries and stuff like that. So I got retired at 22 years old. Had okay. no idea what I was doing, but I just knew whatever. And so I was, I was blessed and married, and my wife's family's from Denver. Okay. And so we moved down here, and all I did was hunt because there's nothing else going on. I'm retired. What do I need to do? Right. And so I was hunting 250, 300 days a year. Wow. Uh, anything that could move, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out how to hunt it. And it helped me a lot. And so I obviously found a little store and started hanging out with these guys. And these guys were like, hey, if you got the scouts down, let's go. And I was like, sweet, I'll take anybody who wants to go. Yeah. Like, I, can't, I obviously don't have enough tags to, like, I fill out my tags so quick. I'm like, anybody else wants to go? Let's hop in the truck. Let's ride. And so eventually that we just came across a situation where these guys needed some help and I showed up. So Nice. Well, first off. Thank you for your service. Um, you know, I know being medically discharged, uh, obviously you said you had some injuries there, but uh, yeah, definitely thank you for your service and all that you've done for this country. We, uh, you know, we greatly appreciate that. Oh, anytime. College wasn't really an option, so yeah. I promise there wasn't any people lining up to grab a hold of me. It was a good time. <laughs> so from a gear, a gear side of things, RJ, and you guys are selling, that, that, that's something that's kind of interesting to me is, you know, when I was going through the website and I was looking at a lot of you know, the different offerings that you guys have. I mean, you guys are definitely, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, right? You are a high-end um, hunting hunting store, yeah. right? Yeah. So what is it that you would say is kind of the uh, the most important piece of someone's um, of someone's kit when they're going out, whether it's elk hunting, mule deer hunting, whatever the case may be, what a, you know, big game? Yeah. So in my opinion, the, the most basic needs are your clothing, right? I, because... Uh, we kind of think of it as hunting as its own thing, but at the end of the day, it's a vacation, right? You should be out there enjoying yourself. You shouldn't be fighting frostbite half four of your 10 days off. You get a year and all that fun stuff. You should be out there. You should be ready to stick it out, ride it out. And you shouldn't be spending your hunt in the truck and you shouldn't be spending it shivering on the side of a hill. So that's why I'm a big believer in the clothing side of it, which is obviously translates over to the sick gear we carry and stuff like that. Um, but when it comes to basics, you could have everything else, right? If your clothing isn't right, it's just you're having a bad time. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so, and I would, I would, I mean, I've not done Western hunting. I'm very familiar with it, but I just have not had a chance to do it yet. And you know, I'm a whitetail guy here in the Midwest, so I definitely understand being comfortable yeah. and being warm um, in the stand, especially when you're static and not not able to move around and get warm or stay warm. But what would you say is so? If that's the most important, what do you think or Based on your customer experience, what is the most overlooked piece of gear that guys are saying, ah, you know, I wish I had just spent the money on this or, you know, I, I forgot about this and I need this. What, what would you say that is? Um, it's definitely your after the kill stuff, right? Everyone needs a spotter. Everybody needs a gun. Everybody needs all that stuff. It's your after kill stuff that's overlooked. And specifically that we notice with customers is their packs because everyone wants to get like a, like a 7,000 cubic inch pack fill it to the brim, hike in for 10 days, but they have no clue how to get out a 300-pound animal once they get it down. And so it's super overlooked, which is why we actually carry stone glaciers because you have the load shelf, and then 
people just squeeze it together, don't even notice it's there until after the kill. And then once you harvest the animal, you can actually hike it out. And you have the ability to start getting it out. You're not wasting multiple loads and stuff like that. So the work doesn't start until you kill something, in my opinion, and it's such an overlooked process. Yeah, no, I would uh, <clears throat> I would agree that, yeah, a lot of people, while in the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, if I do get an animal down, I've got to get it out of here. But they don't think about everything that goes into it and what, what that means to, you know, they, they come in with a 50-pound pack with, you know, seven to 10 days worth of stuff or whatever the case may be. And then, you know, aside from food, they still got, they still have all that stuff that needs to get back out along with, you know, hundreds of pounds of meat from an animal. So, um, and yeah, and you mentioned Stone Glacier. Stone Glacier is a partner on the podcast and I actually use, um, I've got a couple of their different packs. And I mean, the one that I use for just whitetail, um, the Avail, uh, 2200 is, I mean, it's, it's perfect for, you know, for a tree stand guy. And then I have, the uh, Sky 5900 um, that I use, like if I'm packing in stands, uh, if I'm doing like a hanging hunt or something like that. And yeah, I mean the, the quality and just the ease of, of what those things or how that they how they carry weight is just they're awesome. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's a very impressive system for sure. I I was one stick short of freaking looking like I was running away from home packing out when I first started in the hunting world, <laughs> like just throwing a quarter on the end of a branch and hiking it out. Like we were in the middle, middle of the Amazon and stuff. It was, it was weird when we were growing up, but it's come so far. I don't even get blood on my gear anymore, especially with the stone glacier products. You know what I mean? Yeah. With the blood shield between the packs. It's just, it's different for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely, uh, they know what they're doing and, and yeah, I, I'm super impressed with their products that I've used so far as well. So, RJ, I know there's there's a lot of different like um, you know stores that that carry a lot of these high end products and things like that. So, what is it that you would say separates One Shot Gear from you know maybe your competitor down the street who's selling you know Sika Gear and Stone Glacier and things like that? Yeah. So, a hundred percent of our success is our knowledge. I can talk you. So, what we what we're trying to do basically is you tell us the hunt you're going on, uh, the temperatures, the altitude. Uh, the the weather patterns you're running into that kind of stuff and i'll get you into a full gear set with without even trying like that's our specialty so we know all that stuff um we specialize in it so much that's what we got famous for was running people that their first hunts were buying marco polo tags for tajikistan like these crazy guys and they're like never been hunting before it sounds like fun though so i bought this tag at this auction and he's like, you know what I need? And that's what we specialize in. We'll do the research. And if we don't know it, we have somebody here that runs it. There's eight guys that work here. And we have 800 plus days of hunting a year with eight guys. It's wow. ridiculous how much knowledge is running around this shop. Alex gets a few extra because he's the owner. But everyone else, <laughs> we're, we're hunting our butts off. So Now, are you guys all pretty similar in terms of your background? And like whether it's hunting or in your case, you know, kind of, you know, growing up guiding and growing up in that lifestyle? I mean, or are you guys kind of from, you know, all over and you guys just all bring kind of your own unique set of skills to, you know, as far as hunting goes and and things like that? Well, for sure, everyone's bringing their own unique stuff. No one, I don't think anyone's come from the same place except two of us. Two of us are from Russia, obviously, Alex, and we got another gentleman, Peter. And they both have pretty similar hunting styles and, and goals when it comes to hunting. Mm-hmm. And then I've, But I've got some great waterfowlers that are like my age, but they killed king eiders in the middle of Colorado somehow. Like just sea ducks somehow in the middle of Colorado. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And then you got guys um, like me and uh, Zach that are all about our big game. And we're kind of molding into waterfowlers to meet our 
um, days hunting a year. And we're just kind of shooting back and forth. Just, and But we all ended up kind of in the same place, but very few of us have the same problems that we ran into to get here. Yeah. So, And I think something like that really helps with kind of rounding out a store and everything that you know the knowledge that they can provide because if you i mean if you took eight guys from one place let's say in your case you know eight guys from jackson hole you know you're all going to have kind of the same struggles or the same experience you know with the terrain and things like that but yeah you get guys that have you know a smattering of experience and things like that and it it allows you and it opens you up to so many more customers and um you know just things to to be able to pass on to your customers that you know like you said you know these guys that were coming in with their for their first time hunts that you know are clueless and you know they're looking to you guys for for you know the expert knowledge and and gear and everything like that in order to be successful in the field yeah for sure and it it definitely shows um because you can only know how to hike one hill so many times you know what i mean and there's only so much knowledge to gain from hiking one hill and so our most recent hire actually a gentleman named leland he's actually fishes 107 days a year fly fishing Wow! and um and he's done every 14 or at least once and now he's trying to redo them all in winter and so he's got that extreme background but he's never hunted before he started working for us and we're gonna ruin him but uh (laughs) but uh just a very unique side of it and we're looking for that very particular thing when we're looking for new hires and it just translates right over into our customer base there's very like i can bring 10 guys in here from jackson but they would tell you to the wrong answers if you were hunting in florida whitetail you know what right. i mean there's just nobody we would wouldn't have the knowledge so now being located there in denver or the denver area i mean are you getting a lot of guys who are you know looking for like midwestern you know gear for like a midwestern hunter and east coast hunt you know like whitetail stuff like that or is, is it are you dealing with you know 95 98 percent of guys who are chasing big game um, I'd say it's about a 50-50 split um, from our local U.S. hunters. I'd say all of our new hunters come through here for the over-the-counter elk stuff that mm-hmm. they do here in Colorado. Um, that's obviously the biggest grab. But usually those guys that are ready to do that kind of a hunt where they're coming from other states, they're doing some other kind of hunting somewhere else in the U.S. And so once they f- they find us because we're a local knowledge on the local areas and we can – and we can feed you new scouter info and stuff like that. I've, I've hunted over 150 units in my life in, in four different states. So I, it, it's just one of those things where we can feed you so much information. And then they come back for that with their local hunts. So these guys that are from coming from Kentucky or Kansas or Texas, they're coming back in here for the same knowledge about their area. And then we, we both learn a little something along the way when we help them out. So, Yeah, and that's, that's one of the things I really like about, you know, whether it's well, let's just say in, in a in an instance like uh, like one shot that you can you know you can get your gear and everything at, but you know you have knowledgeable a knowledgeable staff that is willing to you know share this information with you because you know some you get guys who you know like if again from Michigan coming out to Colorado and just trying to pick people's brains. I mean, some people can be a bit standoffish and not really want to give too much information to a guy who is coming from out of state and. You know, it's going to be, you know, potentially hunting a unit that they're hunting or something like that. I mean, you know, I don't expect someone to give me, you know, waypoints or anything like that. But if, if someone can, you know, kind of, 
lessen the curve a little bit, you know, for, for someone that's coming out who, you know, if I can, if, you know, if a Midwestern guy or an Eastern guy is lucky to come out and, and get a week's worth of scouting in prior to the season, I mean, that's, that's huge. And obviously yeah. there's Onyx and, and base map and, and all these different e-scouting tools that are out there now, but it, none of that is quite the same as actually getting boots on the ground, you know? Yeah. Well, you never can replace dirt under your boot for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's what you're looking for on those miles is something that you learn the hard way. You know what I mean? So you'll learn really quick what you're looking for. That's how these guys are getting famous, like Randy Newberg and stuff, is because they don't they can hunt all these different units, and they become successful with only a few days to to get it done. And it's because they already know what they're looking for when they get in there. Yeah. And it's just all about knowledge and the gear and stuff like that. So if I can save you a few extra days of walking around in the woods, I'm going to hopefully teach you a little something. We go through the basics just like everything else. Just like if I break you down a stone glacier pack, I'll make sure you can put it back together. I yeah. don't care less if you can take it apart. Anybody can take stuff apart. But I'll make <laughs> sure you can put it back together so you can get it off the hill when you do get up there and you you tear it apart to get something done. So, Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so now obviously um, One Shot Gear, your guys' <clears throat> shop there, you guys are 2% certified. So talk to me a little bit about that and, and how is it that um, that you guys came to be 2% certified or first learned about 2% certification? Oh, yeah. So um, I've only, uh, when I came around just after we got certified, so I only know a few of these things, but what we've done to maintain it is definitely um, we're big supporters of all the local banquets. We're doing all the DU, Rocky Mountain Sheep Foundation, um, Freaking Dallas Safari Club, we do all the shows. Uh, we go up and we usually count the the Rams and the Billies every year. Um, we help yank down fences a couple years for the elk. Uh, what the heck was that called? The the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. When we went up there and we yanked down those fences for a couple months, we did all that. We removed all that bob wire from that public land stuff. Those, all those random fences that those hunters are running into. Yeah. That you guys always find yourself jumping. We're trying to yank all those down. We do stuff like that, and. Uh, and then we personally were taking veterans and stuff out hunting. We're doing all kinds of weird stuff. And then we're always donating to our local chapters. We we do all the FFL stuff for, like, Ducks Unlimited. We do all their raffles um, around the local side of it anyway. And I've got a few pallets of their guns downstairs right now. But uh, just having – it just giving back is the best thing for it. So uh, yeah. at the end of – yeah. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. So at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is make it better – than when we started you know what i mean we all ran into those problems we all run into those people that want to change it all now it's now it's just about all giving back we're already out there we might as well make it easier for ourselves plus the next guy you know what i mean yeah absolutely <clears throat> no, I, I completely agree and and that's that's I, i've anyone who listens to this podcast regularly and is gonna i'm gonna sound like a broken record but when you get companies that are selling or they're if whether it is the, the items that they're selling or the items that they're actually manufacturing, if that item is used to, you know, harvest an animal or to help you harvest an animal, if it's, if it's involved some way, shape, or form of hunting or fishing um, and that company is, is giving money back to conservation, like those are the best kinds of companies, in my opinion. And those are the ones that, for me, they're easy to support, they're easy to buy from, they're easy to tell my friends to buy from because they get it. Right, they're not just out there to make a buck. They're out there to, you know, help sustain and make sure that you know these wild places, like you just mentioned, are preserved for generations and generations to come. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely the only way to do it. And even if, like, we're we're 
definitely happy that we're part of two percent it's a big deal we didn't even know it existed we've been doing all this stuff for years and we're so like so a couple years ago when we got certified we were like pumped and it's a big deal to us for sure because at the end of the day we're only as good as the next guy and so we might as well take care of each other and all, all us hunters need to be on the same page in my opinion so no i i completely agree with that and it, it seems like in this day and age that while it should be very simple and kind of clear and to the point that we should all be as outdoorsmen and outdoors women striving for the same thing. A lot of the times it's, it's not that right. It's, I, I, I blame it on social media personally, just because it's, it's so easy to, you know, be a tough guy when you're just commenting on someone's picture or post or, or something like that. And it's just, it just creates a divide in, you know, everyone out there who's you know out there for the same reasons to fill the freezer and to enjoy the outdoors. Yeah, for sure. And it's, and there's also just a little more to it. Like, especially us at one shot here at the end of the day, we all got the same base of our lives. We all started hunting somewhere and it became such a big part of us to, to learn all those lessons you learn when you're hunting and then you continuously learn you're hunting. And it's such a good base to how to look at life that it's very important that that's still around. And that's something that I want my kids and that like Alex would want his kids to experience. And they want them to be able to do their kids and their kids' kids to have that exact same base that we've been doing for years on dozens of generations to have that same start and that same look on life that sets you up for the rest of it. And that's something you get from hunting. You learn to give back. You learn to make it easier on each other. You learn to uh, freaking patience. You learn all the basics here and that's, and it just starts screaming and it's, there's no participation awards in hunting. There's just, you get it done or you don't and you, you reap the rewards. You go through the pain and you learn to suffer or you learn to learn to be successful. It's such a even playing ground out there. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good way to put it. And what you, what you said with, making sure or, you know, wanting your kids and, you know, your grandkids and great grandkids and all that to have the same base and the same opportunities and the same land to, to recreate on that you grew up doing, that I grew up doing is, I think a lot of people tend to overlook that, right? They just assume, well, it was here for me when I was a kid and it's here for me when I'm an adult. It'll be here for my kids and, and their kids. And, you know, the, the reality of it is, is it just won't be. And unless, you know, us as outdoorsmen and outdoorswomen and conservationists, we're doing our part to to give back and to to make sure that we're you know pulling these fences and you know doing you know counts for for goats and for sheep and for things like that, so that biologists and people who are smarter than me can make educated decisions on you know what's best for for the herd and for you know the management of a specific species. Oh yeah, for sure, and it's it just the way it the way the people that turn into hunters and there's they obviously a few obviously that stray from it but just the baseline you learned for your life and when you're young is just so good it's and if you have to get a little frostbite along the way or learn to pack a heavy pack then there's you know there's something you're doing all right yeah and you're exactly right that it teaches you i mean one it teaches you it teaches you patience at a very very young age right regardless of when you get started and it's something you just you have such an appreciation for, you know, just everything around you. And, you know, you spend, you know, I'm going to talk about my experience, like from from a whitetail guy, like you spend spend one day in the tree one day. And the things that you will see 
sitting in a tree stand when no one knows you're there and no animals know you're there. I mean, you get birds that damn near land on your shoulder. You get squirrels that are climbing up the tree that you're in looking you in the face. You know, you, you get deer that are standing right at the base of your tree, have no clue that you're there. And it's just because you allow yourself to just be, you know, part of nature and part of, you know, your surroundings. And, you know, that's something that a lot of people don't get to experience unless you're, you know, unless you're a hunter or an angler or, you know, you're just very good at staying still if you're out just walking around in the woods. Yeah, that's for sure. You're not wrong. (laughs) So what would you say is, aside from what what you talked about earlier with, the experience that you guys have that you guys are able to pass on to um, to your customers and things like that. What would you say is is probably like the biggest attribute that One Shot Gear offers to its customers? Um, hmm, that's a good one. Uh, if I had to guess, other than that, just like the knowledge that we're passing on, it's definitely just going to be the gear that we're offering. So we we just you know it's going to work because it's in the store right? So you're not going to buy some cheap stuff and it's going to destroy itself or anything like that. You know that if we're sticking our name on it, it's in the store, you can buy it. And we say it's going to work. It's going to work. We put our money where our mouth is and it's works good so far. Um, and so we'll do all the process of exchanging it. If you break it, whatever we got to do to, to make it right. And, but at the end of the day, you know, you're getting a product that's going to work. And so, it kind of gets rid of the, I have to play around on brands. We're going to do all that for you. And yeah. so you have a good idea what, what you need to get and that you're, you're in a good spot. You can't make a wrong decision in the store. That's for sure. Yeah. And that's going to save people a lot of money too, because I mean, you know, gosh, probably 75% of hunters out there are self-proclaimed, you know, gear junkies. And I'm, I'm yeah. guilty of that too. Right. But if you can, again, kind of shorten that curve a little bit and not have to go out and and spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on, you know, different gear, you know, from even from just like a clothing standpoint, right? You know, you know, someone might try this brand and then this brand and this brand. And then they're like, you know, they know about Sitka all the time, but they want to try all these other ones when they just land on Sitka for, you know, for example, um, to end with anyway. So it's good to have that, that firsthand experience and that firsthand knowledge from guys who are, you know, like you spent, like you said, spending, you know, 75 to a hundred days in the field a year. Yeah. For sure. It definitely, it'll help you a lot. I, I, I see so many first time hunters come through the store and there's after one season hanging out with us or and shopping through us and calling us once a week with questions of the basics. And if you got a question on gear and we don't care it, call us anyway, because we probably tested it at some point and we'll let you know what it's good for. Right. And I'll tell you why we didn't carry it or, um, base or why we want to carry it one day. And we'll tell you straight up how it is. I'm not going to make any money making somebody go out there and freeze their butt off because I n- could make $30 on a jacket. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, if I if I tell you right and you and it, you go out and perform exactly how I told you would or it falls short in the, in how I told you would, we'll, we'll know that at the end of the day. And it'll save you years of practice and misery, I promise. Yeah, no, and that's – and to be to be more efficient, to spend more time, to be more comfortable, I mean that's – you know, that's, that's what we need in order to be successful in the field. So, well, Hey, RJ, I know, um, you guys are super busy there, man. I appreciate you taking, you know, about a half hour or so here out of your day to come out, talk to us, you know, tell me about, 
uh, one shot gear, the different stuff you guys offer, and, and you know what really separates you guys from uh, from everyone else out there. Well, sweet. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. Well, hey, good luck the rest of the year in the field, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Well, always a pleasure. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, RJ. All right. Well, a big shout out to RJ for taking some time to hop on the podcast today. I'd like to thank our partners over at Stone Glacier. Be sure and check them out at StoneGlacier.com. Also like to thank the partners over at 2% for Conservation. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands, including One Shot Gear, that have committed to conservation that you should support when you're shopping for your guiding services, your hunting gear, uh, your coffee, your real estate, your books, uh, your wine, your beer, uh, you name it. There is a 2% certified brand out there that sells what you're looking for. Uh, I encourage you guys also to give 2% a follow on social media where they're going to post nothing but very positive um, conservation-driven content. Uh, So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or on their website, fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for checking out this week's episode, guys. Stay safe out there, and remember that conservation starts with you. Uh